man, do you know magic? She <laughs> disappeared. You <laughs> What? I didn't disappear. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. That's a new way to start. Yeah. <laughs> hey there. All right. Welcome to Hot Marriage Cool Parents, which might be turning into hanging with the Hainers. You never know. I don't know who advised us, but I like the Hot Marriage Cool Parents, but I also like hanging with the Hainers. I never thought that people would be able to pronounce my last name, though, or even spell it. So that was my hesitation with all of it. I know. H-E-H-N-E-R. That's Hainer. Right. pronounced Hainer. Right, not Henley. And we... Uh, like you first thought it was. I do not recommend calling private parts Hey Nanner Nanners, but in the Hainer family, we say Hey Nanner Nanners. Yeah. That's your Hey Nanner Nanner. Mm -hmm. But we do not recommend doing that. We Don't actually, touch it, you'll go blind. Yeah, that's what Doug was told as a kid. Yeah. That was his Hey Nanner Nanner, and you don't touch it because you'll go blind. That's exactly right. But we have since learned from Big Little Feelings that, which is like this course that I really right. love following. You shouldn't have code names for things. Yes. You should be calling it a vagina and a penis because it's a vagina and it's a penis. That's right. So life lessons learned within one minute of listening to the podcast. You are welcome. <laughs> which leads us to our five-star review because they also think we're inspirational. Oh, yeah, and I love the name of this person, Cheese It 101. We have a Cheese It expert, I guess. Cheese It connoisseur. Yeah, someone that's teaching Cheese Its. But I like Cheese Its. I don't have any social media, but I listen to podcasts all the time. But I struggle with things you all struggle with as well. Just to listen and be called your friend is amazing. I just came across your podcast last week. I've caught up completely, and you both are so caring and kind. Jamie's upbringing and now where she is today, and how Doug is so supportive and genuine is so inspirational. Your whole story from where you guys met is different, and I can't wait to learn more about you guys. Keep being you and be the cool parents you all are. So happy to keep following your journey. Thank you. Cheese it. Oh, my goodness. Hey, girlfriend. Yeah. Thank that's, you for creating a, a name just to leave a review. That's really That's honoring. so sweet. I love the different names. Like that, That's so awesome. Cheese it 101. <laughs> and on that note, as you guys know, like the whole idea behind the podcast, as we've said before, is just to be able to get to know you more. And so we've been asking you if you want to, to have a chance to kind of be featured on the podcast, to send a little voice memo in either to teamjamie at jamieotis.com or you can just DM Hot Marriage Cool Parents Instagram page, which is literally at Hot Marriage Cool Parents, which will be changing, mm -hmm. I believe. We're going to take a poll to see if everyone's cool with this, but I believe we're going to change it to hanging with hangers because hanging with the hangers on Instagram is too long. So it would be... Really? Yes. I tried. It's wow. So it'll have to be hanging with hangers, which is kind of just as cool if you ask me. I guess me. it's better than the hanger fam. What's wrong with the hanger fam? I don't know. I like the idea that we're all hanging though. So yeah. that's why I like hanging with the Hainers. Yeah, but what Jamie's talking about is we asked you guys to send in a voice memo with a question, any question, open books over here, Jamie more so than I. But yeah, you could even just record right on your phone and just send it directly to us. Yeah. And so Holly did. Thank you so much, Holly, for sending in a voice memo recording. Yes. And, and here's Holly. Hi, this is Holly. And I am just curious, what is your best advice with triggers, because even though we have a living child, triggers still obviously pop up, like the birth date that would have been for the lost baby, well, babies for us, and just thinking about milestones, because those never go away, you know, because the dreams never go away for that, you know, child or children that are supposed to have been born to you living. So thanks so much. Holly, first and foremost, I just want to tell you that you are not alone and that your feelings, no matter what they are, whether it's anger, fear, depression, sadness, yeah, any of it, they're all normal. And I feel like sometimes there's a time frame that like you should just get over it. You know, like, why are you still like, I just want you to know that there is no time frame. There really isn't. And you're allowed to feel exactly how you feel and what you're feeling is normal. I know that for a long time, I didn't feel like it was normal and that I felt like I had to like, kind of like shape up, you know, like get over it and move on. The world's moving on. But like, I couldn't even like crawl out of bed. And so I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to like shape up. So first and foremost, I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you and that I'd said a little prayer for you and you're supported. And so 
With that being said, you know, I know you're looking for ways to be able to honor the babies that you have lost. And I think that one of the best ways that, at least for me, that I found that have been really helpful to honor my son, Jonathan, is, well, to name him is actually like one of the first things that we did. Just because he's not with us doesn't mean he wasn't important. And so we named him. I also planted a tree. And I think planting something that's alive is really really helpful. It's also a little bit scary because you want to make sure that it doesn't die. So we planted a tree in his memory and every July it blooms and it's just, it's beautiful. It's amazing. So July's when Jonathan was born. And so it's on his birthday that the tree like blossoms. And and Henley started to take more notice of it. We had a really cute moment the other day in the in the front where she was kind of just going up to the tree and she found some of the purple flowers that had fallen. Are they called flowers if they're on a tree? Yeah, I think so. Well, and I told her a little bit about Jonathan and we, we, we made a heart out of cement and put his initials on there and have like a little cowboy statue that's there and uh, just telling her about him. And in the sense of triggers, you know, everybody handles triggers in a different way. Triggers aren't necessarily, I mean, if you want to think more positive or turn it into a positive triggers in this sense can give you remembrance and just keep the person alive in your thoughts. And I know sometimes triggers can be of bad events, but sometimes triggers can help and it does keep the person with you in your thoughts and in your heart. Yeah, that's exactly it, Holly. So I guess I interpreted you know, what you had said a little differently in the sense that I thought you were looking for ways to kind of honor and remember when you're triggered. But going back and listening to your question, it definitely is a little bit more of like, what's the best advice with triggers? Because even if you have a living child, it doesn't matter. Like triggers still pop up and the baby that you lost or the babies that you lost obviously still matter. And of course you're going to be triggered. And so just like Doug said, I think it's hurtful, of course, because like those feelings all come back and no matter what the feelings are, whether it's the hate, anger, resentment, jealousy, sometimes from someone else, they got to have their baby and you didn't, all those feelings are valid. And the biggest thing is that I guess it's kind of like Doug said, is that you're able to take it and kind of you're of course still going to be triggered, but when you are triggered and when one of those emotions pops up, first of all, allow yourself to feel that feeling and to know that it's valid and it's normal and it's okay. Second of all, if you can, and I don't want to like preach toxic positivity because no one wants to hear turn it positive, you know, like when you're just absolutely in the the gutter and like just so sad. But if you can go to the thing that you have that honors your baby or do, and if you don't have something, then do something that will help you feel better yourself to honor the baby. And honestly, I know that, you know, I talk about therapy a lot and whatnot. Obviously, Doug and I are huge fans of it. We both each have individually personal therapists and a couples therapist. So there are currently three therapists <laughs> who are working with the, with the Hainers. Right. Hanging with the Hainers. Hanging with the Hainers. And they're therapists. (laughs) No, but full transparency, if you find that you're being triggered a lot and that you're not able to find ways to cope with that or to to kind of help, I don't know, pick yourself up. And like I said at the top of this, though, like it's okay to sit in those feelings and to not rush those feelings away. But if you're finding that you need something to help you kind of like move on, like, I mean, there was a time that I literally couldn't get out of bed and I needed something to help me. And for me, fortunately, like I could blog and I got such support on Instagram and through all my girlfriends there. And so that was really, really helpful for me. But not everybody if, has yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, even if you don't blog, sometimes writing it down helps. Sometimes, yes, that too. You know, just not having to live in that space alone, making people aware of it. You know, obviously people that you trust and that you're around, but yeah. sometimes it helps where you're not going through something just by yourself and no one knows what it is and they have to ask you There's a ton of support groups that are out there if you want to just stay anonymous. And I know something that Jamie does each year is buying a present for a little boy that would have been Jonathan's age during Christmas. So there's a lot of different options and, you know, just different ways of coping with triggers and being able to channel whatever that feeling is and that energy. And sometimes when you do something positive or sometimes if it's giving or just writing it down, sometimes that kind of helps ease the burden. Yeah. So that being said, I just want you to know that first and foremost, your feelings matter and you are normal and it's okay to be grieving and to be triggered still, even if you do have children. Because I know a lot of times there's like this, I don't know, almost like a stigma if you're mourning your loss 
and like you seem ungrateful because you already have a child. And it's like, well, actually, imagine if you had three kids and one was taken away from you, like you're still going to be sad, you know, and that's exactly what it's like. So you are heard, you are seen, you are normal. Thank you, Holly. Yeah. And thanks for being so vulnerable and sharing this with us. You're definitely not alone. That's for sure. And And I think that was one of the reasons for choosing to announce the pregnancy earlier. Right. Well, after we lost Jonathan and I had already publicly announced it, the whole world knew I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I had no choice but to announce, obviously, that we lost him as well. And but like when we got pregnant the next time. Though. Yes. Well, so then when we got pregnant with Henley, I was like, why am I going to wait three months until it's quote unquote safe? Like I waited that three months with Jonathan and I still lost him. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, the more I thought about it, I was like, imagine if I had to go through this loss all by myself. Like I got the most support, not from God bless my husband. I love him to death. You know, he's sitting right next to me, (laughs) but I didn't get the most support from my husband in that time. I genuinely got it from strangers on the internet, like people who I didn't even know because I didn't know anybody else who had suffered a loss. And so no one ever really talks about it. And so I kind of just like vented by just being, I don't know, by blogging and by I had no choice but to announce it and share it on Instagram. So then I just did. I had announced that we lost him and I got so much love and support that way that then I was like, well, geez, like I think this should change. Like I don't think women should have to like wait three months before they share that they're pregnant because it's taboo to share it earlier than that because then they might lose the baby. And then if they lose the baby, then they have to go tell everyone, well, maybe it's good to be able to say, hey, listen, actually, instead of having to show up at work bleeding or cramping or just a mess because you have just spent the whole weekend bleeding and cramping from a loss or whatever the case may be, maybe if we can make this topic a little less taboo, I mean, it literally happens to one in four women, then maybe it could be just more more supported when it does happen. So needless you to say, don't have to. I mean, you know, and you certainly don't have to either superstitions and traditions. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Totally. No, there's no we, right or wrong. There is no right or wrong, but the wrong thing is to insist if someone's excited about their pregnancy, you know, insist on keeping it quiet until they hit some sort of milestone. Because the truth of the matter is, is I don't, I don't know that you're ever safe in pregnancy. And I guess maybe I'm jaded by saying that because I lost my son in the second trimester. But I just think that it's okay to celebrate during that first trimester if you can. But now we've gone down a whole different <laughs> tangent. We have an awesome guest on today. Her name, awesome guest. Yes. Her name is Rachel D'Alto. Many of you from the Married at First Sight world definitely know who she is. She yes. was an Season expert. Season three. Yeah. She was on, and I think, a couple four? seasons. Yeah, yeah. She was on for a couple seasons and definitely the Chicago season because I remember that. But anyway, yeah, she's led an amazing career. Oh my goodness. Talk about someone that is inspirational and helps couples and is genuinely passionate about people and understanding people, but more importantly, getting people together. I mean, she's taken her talents and moved over to match.com and has become a relationship expert there. And it is so interesting to talk to her because it is literally everything that you can possibly think of about thoughts and relationships and advice and sex and everything, just getting along with people. She is an expert, truly an expert. Yeah, she's amazing. And she actually also has, the whole reason we brought her on is that she has a new book coming out called Unrelatable. And she's just amazing. And so I wanted to support her and her new book. But honestly, I feel like she's supporting us more than we're supporting (laughs) her because wait till you hear this interview. I mean, she has so many amazing tips and tricks and tidbits and just advice, you know, and it's just real authentic and genuine. And I think a lot of times in the TV world, working with these quote unquote experts and just people who are in front of a camera all the time, they can become very self-absorbed and they can think that, you know, they... Or robotic. Or robotic. Yes, that too. Just like, I don't know. I can't quite explain it, but she is literally none of that. She's the real deal. She really is. She's like the girl next door who genuinely cares about people. And like, even if it's just one person, she'll still show up and give her best. And I really appreciate that in her. And so... I mean, I don't know if this is such a, like a good thing, a bad thing. It is what it is. But... It's also someone that has been through a divorce, that has kids. It's someone that has walked the walk. And I mean, we hung out with her one time and really got along with her and she's just so much fun. And not to throw this out there, but I am an ordained minister. And I just want to say this now because I was never involved in any of these dating apps or matching. And I know, Jamie, you were. I actually... Um, 
Yes, you, I was. You probably still have a profile. No, I don't, Douglas. She's Louise. Are you able to cancel it? Is that? How I guess it works? I don't know. That's yeah, a, that's what I'm saying. I haven't like, logged probably, on. That's a really yeah. good point. I was like, did you actually go in and deactivate yourself? That's probably a really not. good point. Um, but I would say, out of maybe 16 or 17 weddings that I've done, about half of them have been people that have found each other on dating apps, and it's so much more commonplace now, especially with a pandemic. And that's where I really think her book comes into play because it's current. It's about the pandemic. It's about meeting people it online. Is? Yeah. It's about how to meet someone, how to relate to someone, whether it's either online or just based on kind of getting matched up based on your profile or picture. She gives a lot of tips about if you're socially awkward, my hand is going high up in the air. I am so socially awkward. But she just like shares tips on how to prevent that, just be more comfortable in yourself in yeah. social settings, but even just with yourself, you know, to just sit with yourself and be comfortable with yourself and how you can be relatable mm-hmm. and people would gravitate towards you and whatnot. So needless to say, it's genuinely like a really great chat we had with her. And so we'll bring her right on. All right, guys, I am pumped because not only do I have someone who I follow on Instagram, which you know what, that's usually how I get most of my guests on this podcast, but she is a former expert for Married at First Sight. And she was by far and wide and large and all the things like her couple's favorite expert, the couples that she like mentored or matched or whatever you say. She was for sure their favorite, all of their favorites. Whenever I talk to them on Unfiltered, they just all gravitated to Miss Rachel D'Alto, who is our, our guest today. And I want to tell you a little bit more about Rachel because I feel like Girlfriend is a powerhouse. She's really, really special to us, obviously. And when she came to me asking about, you know, if I could do anything to kind of help her out to share about this book that she has coming out, I was like, first of all, can you just send it to me? Because I actually want to read it myself. It's titled Relatable. And the subtitle is How to Connect with Anyone, Anywhere. And this is the kicker, even if it scares you. And I feel like Rachel is the best person, like the best person to write this book because she literally can connect with anybody anywhere. And I don't know that she's ever really scared. I guess I'll have to ask her about that. But she's been featured on the Today Show, TEDx. And I mean, she's like the official... I don't know, person for Match.com. She's appeared on TLC's Kate and Date. I mean, she's just been literally everywhere. She's a mama, coach, media personality, and speaker. And I feel honored that she even asked me to you know, help share about Relatable because I feel like it's a pleasure to have even just a minute of your time, Miss Rachel Dialto. Yes. Welcome to Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. Oh my gosh, stop it. You know I love you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like you really are a busy woman. You have figured out how to kind of invent yourself and reinvent yourself. You've yeah. lived quite a lifestyle. And any woman who's also a mom, also an entrepreneur, also... I don't know, trying to just figure out life in general. Like, I feel like anybody could relate to you. And I'm pumped to hear more about this book. But first, let's get to like, what have you been up to since Married at First Sight? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's been, I think it's been like four years, Mm -hmm. three or four years. So I did the Kate Plus Date, which was very interesting, uh, coaching Kate Kate Goslin. Yeah, so that was fun. I actually have a show that I'm pitching. I'm sorry to cut you off there. I want to get to that. We're not letting her talk. We're just like, oh, we're so excited to have her. Because because (laughs) this, when I heard about this, I said, this is going to be a true test for a relationship expert to try to help someone with eight kids find a date. And I thought that was probably an extreme case for you. I'm interested in hearing the experience and kind of what you went through with that. It was a lot. (laughs) I know we did talk when you were when you were on that show. It was a lot. Yeah, because there's so many public perceptions involved as well. And it was interesting, too, because a lot of the guys and listen, it's TV, too. So there's casting involved and people are very different on television than they are in real life. So and you always have to be worried, like, are you here to be on television? or Are you really interested in the person? So I think it becomes a mixed bag. But it was so fascinating to me because most of the guys had no idea who she was. So that was always an interesting component. But yeah, she has a very strong personality. Yes, I remember we were chatting about that. And we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Before we so rudely interrupted you, you were saying you're pitching something? 
I am. So interestingly enough, after Married at First Sight 2, I was just, I love TV and you know that, like we've talked about this, like I love television. I think it's just such a cool medium. And I had started coming up with concepts of shows in the last couple of years and have done a sizzle on one actually with Kinetic. And then with this one, I went back to the Cape Plus Day people because I love them. They're a production company down in the Southeast. And I came up with a concept for a show that they are actively pitching now and getting some interest in. So I can't talk a lot about it, but it's going to be really impactful and entertaining, but really impactful. Awesome. Oh, I am pumped for that. And when that gets picked up, I am requesting an exclusive interview. Okay. You got it. I got it. See, I'll tell you about it later. I'll okay. Tell you about it later. Okay, okay. I'll just okay. make everybody hate me right now because I'll yeah. be like, text me later. <laughs> yeah, to everyone listening, that's sorry. Low blow, Rachel. Low blow. I know it's not right. <laughs> no, but I mean, the truth of the matter is, is these things can be stolen and they are all the time, like, like show ideas and whatnot. And so unfortunately, as much as you want to just like divulge all the information and just share it and you're so excited, like you just can't because you never know who is a sneak out there listening who wants to just steal your idea and run with it. So I totally get it, Rachel. I'm curious real quick though, because the only time that I've ever come across a relationship expert or sexologist was through Married at First Sight. And I'm curious if this is something that you fell into or is it something, I mean, obviously you're passionate about it now, you're doing great at it and you're really living your dream, but how does one become a relationship expert? Yeah, it's such an interesting thing because I didn't know it existed either. And even sometimes I feel ridiculous when people are like, what do you do? And like, part of me wants to just go back to being like, I'm a lawyer. Just don't ask me any questions. Nobody (laughs) wants to talk to a lawyer. (laughs) But the truth is, is that you kind of do fall into it. And it is a media term. Like at the end of the day, like the media defines the experts, which is if we're being really honest about it, like that's not a real job. I guess it kind of has become one. But yeah, I was actually a lawyer running a dating company and came up with a startup idea back like 10 years ago and just intended to run the company on the side, started doing TV around the company. The TV people were like, oh my gosh, you can talk on camera. And I was like, I can talk anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so they started, yeah, I was like to anyone, even if it scares (laughs) me. But so I started, they started like coming back to me and saying, Hey, do you have opinions on XYZ and like dating and relationships? And I was like, I have anything. Like, are you going to do my hair and makeup? And so I started doing like basically a will work for lashes and just started doing TV and people started asking me to coach them. And I had no idea what that meant. Honestly, I was like, I'm just someone doing TV because they said I could do it. And I went back and you know got certified in coaching and now I've done a master's in psychology and so really have evolved into it. I don't know that I fell because it was over the course of like such a long period of time, but yeah, kind of like kind of slowly immersed <laughs> into it. So before we jump topics from Married at First Sight, I wanted to ask you some, I don't know, from an expert's perspective, some insider information that's not going to get either one of us in trouble because (laughs) obviously we're, I'm, you know, I still... I love active in the yeah Married I love first sight universe. Well, I'll forever be thankful for Married at First Sight, and I'll forever be thankful to my experts, regardless of what anyone's opinions are of them, because we wouldn't have our relationship, we wouldn't have our marriage, like mm-hmm. we would have exactly. we would actually we'd have nothing. Like, and so I will forever be thankful. However, I have noticed over the past seven years that Married at First Sight has been on that it's it's definitely changed. I mean, now there's instead of three couples, there's five. Instead of not being able to know each other or be able to compare your relationship, now you are honeymooning. With, and- yeah, you're literally living with these other couples. And not for nothing, there's a million other changes that have happened as well. And not all of them are bad, but not all of them are good either. Or wait. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, totally just, made sense. Okay. Yeah, they're just so, different. Yeah. Well, some of them I do, some of them, and I'm not at the mercy that to talk about it, but some of them I, I question a little bit. Like if that was, that's like the right way for the show to go. And it's really not my opinion. I'm just a, at the end of the day, a host of Married at First Sight Unfiltered and a previous contestant. And also, I guess, like on Couples Cam. But so I don't know how, I mean, that's not really not my place to say or a place to judge. But in that regard, I'm an, you know, an outsider looking in, I suppose, a fan. I am a fan of the show myself. But then some of them I really like, like I truly like actually that they get to know each other and chat with each other. But anyways, as an expert, 
I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on it? You were an expert on one of the most, the most popular show on Lifetime. Yeah, it's interesting. So I had two experiences and I started when it was on A&E and obviously you guys were on it when it was on FYI. I don't even know, did it go on A&E for your season? No, no it was the next no, season. No, so it was just after, FYI. Yeah, mm-hmm. after the first season, I think it was popular enough to make it to A&E. So there was definitely a shift. There's shifts that have happened since then because the formats are different. You know, mm-hmm. the the intention, if you ask anybody, like, what's the difference between A&E and Lifetime, they're going to be able to tell you. And I definitely yeah. think there was a shift towards TV is supposed to be entertaining. Like at the end yeah. of the day, there's going to be an entertainment factor. Mm-hmm. And I don't begrudge television any of that because they're selling what the public wants and obviously the public wants it and Mm -hmm. it's just an interesting thing to observe I don't watch anymore so that's one of the biggest questions I get is like how are you watching the seasons and people ask me questions like what do you think about this match or you know can you believe he did that and I'm like I have no idea who you're talking about like I have not seen this yeah like I I don't know like I've met some of the people in in seasons that I wasn't involved with and were friendly and stuff but I don't know a lot of them I don't watch it but there's definitely a lot more drama intentional Mm -hmm. feels like sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) than there was in my seasons and less intervention, which I always Mm -hmm. think is, is a bad idea. Yeah. And again, listen, I'm not involved with it. So I'm not speaking from like, there's any intention behind it, but from observation, I just think that the experts do play and can play such a helpful role, not Mm -hmm. only in the evolution of the couple, but in the evolution of the person. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's such an important thing. And and I still have like, I love everybody that was involved in my seasons. Like we're all still close. Like Mm -hmm. I could text any of them and, you know, be like, you know, I'm coming to your town and like have a great dinner and and Mm -hmm. just be a part of their lives. And I don't regret any of that. And I don't regret how much how much love and effort I put into the seasons. And I just like, that's my only thing is like, I hope that that is still happening. Now, did you leave the show? I don't like, know. Uh, <laughs> unless you don't want to. Yeah. I don't know if that was the thing. I don't care. No, they were going in a different direction. They wanted okay. someone a little, di- and listen, Jess is one of my closest friends. Like well, I love her to pieces. She has a very different approach. Yeah. So for, for those of you guys listening, yeah. Dr. Jess Griffin mm-hmm. came on after Rachel and I got to say, this gives you the true character of Mrs. Rachel D'Alto because Dr. Jessica, and this could have gone a whole different way, but Dr. Jessica was so amazed and so thankful on how responsive you were to her and supportive and just being there and to become friends and someone that steps into your role. A lot of times it it takes a really mature person yes. to want to support that person and be there for them. But I mean, that was just really amazing of you. Yeah. And I think that women to woman, for some reason, there's a stereotype that we like claw each other to climb to the top. I mean, I don't want to say for some reason, it's because that happens nine times out of 10. We feel like it's so hard to get to the top when it's a man's world that you feel like you kind of have to claw your way to the top, which Rachel, you have shown in the most graceful way that that is completely unnecessary and that there is no need to diminish another or belittle another or do something to make yourself shine better than the other. There is room for both of you. And you, I mean, I have chills thinking about the way that you and Dr. Jessica have both been able to be like a shining light in that role. And I literally have chills talking about it Mm -hmm. because I'm in this world too. And it's not easy. And I'm sure so many of our listeners are in this world as well. And it's like when you can find that, that real true like woman supporter who's like, okay, sure, maybe I've might seem like been kicked off the ledge or whatever, but is still loving and respectful and and supportive. Oh God, take that person and never let them go because... And that is honestly, Rachel, like I'm not at all smoking any or whatever, putting smoke up your butt or whatever the saying is like that is truly putting smoke up your butt. I don't know what the saying <laughs> is, but that is truly who you are and who Dr. Jess is. And so small side note on that, a little behind the scenes about Rachel and just an example on a very not publicized area at all. Way back in the day when Rachel, I think you were an expert still on the show. I live, we moved to a town that was near you. My husband had no job. We were super duper pregnant and I was doing every single, I had literally four jobs. I was nursing. I was hosting this show on Facebook. And then I don't remember 
what the third job was. And for sakes of time, I'm not going to try to remember. But the fourth thing that I was trying to do was this, what do they call it? The network or the Arbon. The Arbon. It's the whatever that, what do they call that? Network marketing. Something like that. Okay. Anyways, Arbon, which is one of those things where you sell it and then you try to get people to sell it as well. And I love the product still to this day. But like I quickly realized it's very difficult to be in that type of a job. But Rachel, you were so gracious to host a little party for me. And you were so gracious to buy from me and support me and didn't ask for anything in return. And from that day, I was like, this girl is my kind of girl. So anyways, small. It was my pleasure. (laughs) It was my pleasure. And just going back to Jess, like she is a good egg. And it was hard for me at first to like have an act. I think she wanted to talk to me a lot in the beginning and I was like, eh, wound is still a little deep. So I'm like, we're going to let that heal up a little bit. But as soon as it did, I was like, she's awesome. I'm going to her wedding. Yeah. We're tight. Like this is Mm -hmm. not a social media relationship, but yeah, it's very interesting. I just always try to keep in mind, like if people show up in a way that is deserving of respect and kindness, I'm always going to provide it. And frankly, most of the time I'm still going to do it anyway, but especially with her, like she was just so amazing from the beginning and, and has always been very gracious. So it was easy to slide into a gracious relationship with her. I'm upset that she didn't, she's not using me as the minister for their wedding, but we got an invite too. I'm ordained too. And I'm like, come on, dude. Eh, everyone wants to be the minister. Pastor Cal, right? he's I the minister. I know right? Cal's got it. Yeah, Cal. Cal. I love as well. I still yeah, love he's Cal. Great. I mean, I suppose <laughs> it can go to Cal, right? So, Whatever. Um, before we get off of the Married at First Sight topic, I wanted to hear from you what your most memorable moment was working on the show. My most memorable, oh my God, I get goosebumps just even talking about it. But when Ashley and Anthony said, I love you for the first time to each other in front of us mm. at the finale and the, mm. or the decision, yeah. it was just such a cool thing because you knew it was like coming, you could feel it and it hadn't happened yet. And that is such a, like a momentous, amazing occasion for a couple. And so to like be a part of that and know that you had a part to play in creating them mm-hmm. was just such a cool thing. And I, it's the same way I feel when I, I see pictures of them and their kids. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, it's so freaking cool. And I'm sure your experts feel the same <laughs> way about seeing you guys. Yeah. yeah. For That's sure. why I'll always love Dr. Pepper too. She's You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that sort of connection to people and matching people up, is that what led you to match? I think it was more just the general idea of like dating could be better for me. Like that's where when match, because I had been working with them kind of ancillarily and, and doing some media and whatnot off and on. And I love their data. Like they, they're just nerdy like me. Like they study everything. Like everything is very thought through. And so I'd always love, they do like the singles in America study and, you know, everything is just very research based. And Mm. so when they asked me to become their chief dating expert, I was like, yeah. (laughs) And I just think people can date better. Mm -hmm. There's a better way of doing this. (laughs) So if I can help them. (laughs) So you were with them obviously before the pandemic happened, right? Yes. Hold that thought. Let's get to our sponsor. I don't know if you ever heard of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, but coming off of our last chat with Scout from last episode, who is bipolar, but also super, super successful. If you didn't hear our last episode with Scout, I totally recommend going back and listening. I mean, I really think it's important. As many of you know, I have been battling postpartum depression since Hendrix was born. And, you know, I was first diagnosed almost like immediately. I definitely had do you already call it? prenatal depression as well? Like, I mean, also we are going through a pandemic. So like there was yeah. a lot stacked up against me, but, and that, not just me, but like so many of us have been struggling with mental illness with this pandemic and whatnot. And the truth of the matter is, is that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. for all ages. It's estimated that one in five Americans have a mental illness and about 20.9 million American adults have a mood disorder And here's this other fun fact. Over 1.4 million Americans attempted suicide in 2019. And what's really scary is that like, I mean, I once thought about attempting suicide when I was a teenager. I never, ever, ever thought about it since then. I'm thankful to be alive and up until this last year. And I actually had these thoughts roaming in my head. And I was like, I know that I don't genuinely want to do this, but God, like, why does this keep on coming? Yeah. And I'm actually really proud of you to bring it up because the common theme, especially with some of the people that we spoke with, is postpartum depression is something that women don't want to admit 
You know? I mean, of course not, because and, you're supposed to be so happy you have this newborn baby that you've been trying for and you've been nurturing. Exactly. And and so that's why this DBS Alliance is such an amazing tool, because it helps you go through that battle. I mean, they give free support groups, wellness tools. They have inspirational stories to guide you and and through this whole path to holistic mental health awareness. Yeah. So the truth of the matter is, is that if you're someone who is one in five, you're not alone if you're struggling with mental illness or just feeling down. And you also, A, you're not alone and B, you don't have to go through it alone. So if you want to learn more about how you can start conversations about mental health and suicide in your community, visit dbsalliance.org slash suicide dash prevention. Again, so to learn more about how you can start conversations about mental health and suicide in your community, visit dbsalliance.org backslash suicide dash prevention. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Yeah, we'll bring Rachel back on now. So living in a world that we are now, and I know things are starting to ease up. What's been a major shift in your mind about how people are now meeting each other? What the safe way to approach even trying to date? Because I can't imagine dating in this time just with all the restrictions. So speaking from your experience, what's been a major change and what's been common a common way for people to start meeting others? Yeah, well, I mean, just in general, like app usage soared, uh, and not just mm-hmm. with Match, but for a lot of the platforms. And, you know, because the hookup culture was kind of killed, like there yeah. wasn't a whole lot of stuff happening in terms of hookups. The one thing that was really interesting that we saw is just a shift in perception of the types of conversations. People got deeper, people mm-hmm. were more honest. Like, mm-hmm. I think there was a shift in priorities of, this is what really matters, you know, connection and people and companionship. And and people really recognized that maybe I was looking at it from a different perspective. And so that's definitely shifted. I think people have become more intentional about who they date. And even if we, I think a lot of people are having a lot of fun right now because they, they're like let out of essentially COVID jail and they're like going mm. crazy, which is, you know, let it out. Yeah. But then I think the relationships will start after that. It's been very interesting to watch. The other thing is, I think people recognize that you can learn a lot about someone on a video. So instead of just waiting to meet someone in person, and, and if anybody's ever out there that's gone on an online date that wasn't what you thought it would be, you know, in like two seconds, like, oh, you yeah. don't look like your profile or <laughs> this isn't going to work. <laughs> But now there's so many different ways to get on video, like matches, vibe check, there's FaceTime, there's Doom, like jump on there and like see if this person is worthy of getting a babysitter for if you're a single parent or worthy of my night that I could spend on my couch with Netflix Mm -hmm. because that's Mm -hmm. super fun too. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely changed the way people approach dating. Now for someone that is socially awkward or maybe even someone that is recently out of a relationship and maybe has never used any of the apps before... What are some recommendations for how people should approach diving into something like this that may be brand new to them? Yeah. So the nice thing is, is that it's kind of all set up for you. It's not rocket science of like uploading a picture. And honestly, my biggest advice is to take three to five pictures that you like the way you look in. And then have some sort of write-up about you that would show you in your best light, but super short. I'm talking like three to five sentences max because nobody's reading full books anymore Mm -hmm. in terms of online dating. And just stay positive about it. Stay open. I think the biggest thing that people have this perception that it has to be hard or dating is difficult. And they think that they're going to bond over the negativity, but negativity repels. So you want to just stay positive and be open to the experience. And a lot of times... 
you can have fun as you learn. And the first person you swipe on or you meet may not be your person, but you're learning. And you can then use that to then find the person that you're meant to be with. And if nothing else, it's a great story for later. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or, yeah. you know, a free dinner date or, yeah. I don't know, someone <laughs> to hang out with dinner if you've been alone all throughout COVID. There's that too. Yeah. And that's that's what I liked about Married at First Sight. And I sound like a broken record saying this, but it's an extreme way to figure out what you want. And if you don't get a match, if you don't have someone that you stay married to and married at first sight, you know, you have knowledge now of what you don't like or what you want. I mean, it's an extreme case, but you have to have these experiences to either learn about yourself or to learn about what you really do want. Because well, sometimes people won't know. I mean, Rachel, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like, and I can't believe I'm doing this whole interview with a towel on my head, but yeah. I tried prioritizing, it. quote unquote, self-care today. And I went for a walk when I, sh- I allotted that time for showering. And I was like, I can fit in a walk and without my phone and all the things. And well, here I am with a towel on my head. So that's how well that went. But thank God it's you because anybody else I wouldn't have, I would have had to be like, can I get have 10 minutes, please? To just at least blow my hair dry. <laughs> I love the towel. You look adorable. Thank you. I love you. Uh, I just make you look Look far more professional. I did that on purpose. Oh, stop. No, this is only because I have to do other videos. Trust me. I'm normally a hot mess every day, all day. Oh, you, <laughs> I don't think so. Don't listen to her. But no, but in all seriousness, oh, shoot. Now I lost what I was going to say because our dog's barking and I'm like, oh, crap. I think the banana's back with the kids. I was no, going to no, people gonna, learning about themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to. This is what I was going to say. Thanks, Doug. What I was going to say was, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're an you are an expert and you have been an expert on Married at First Sight, but I feel like it's really important that you have a a somewhat of a good idea of who you are prior to ever even signing up for that show because the biggest disservice you can do for yourself and most importantly, well, not even most importantly, make sure you want to be equally as important to the person who does know herself or himself and does want to be married and is ready for this is to pretend that you're something that you're not and tell the experts that you're something that you're not and then show up a completely different person matched to someone that was like so genuine and honest and then they're screwed and honestly you're screwed too because you don't you're not even who you thought you were but clearly passionate about this because like I've just seen it happen over and yeah. over again. So Rachel, yeah, it think? does. So there's two things that I think about here. One, you're always going to change and evolve throughout this process. You cannot go through maths without becoming a different person by the end, because it's going to show you different parts of yourself. You're going to experience different things. Like you're going to evolve. And I think we're always changing, but yes, you have to show up knowing who you are and knowing what you want, at least to the best of your authentic ability. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing. I think everybody knows what they could say to try to get picked or to try like, you know what? I'm totally open. I don't know if I Mm -hmm. want kids. I could want kids or I don't care about religion. Like I don't care about these things or, you know, they don't show up as their authentic self because they want to be picked as part of the participants. Mm -hmm. And then it's such a freaking disservice to everybody around them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think if you're going to go into this with a mindset of, I'm actually doing this because I want to be a part of it. And again, I have not watched other seasons, but I've heard enough things that there's plenty of people that it seems like they made themselves look a certain way to get cast Mm -hmm. because they want to be on TV, which Mm -hmm. happens. Listen, Mm -hmm. you watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette, Uh those people are obviously trying Mm -hmm. to do it for the purpose of being on television. But Married at First Sight should not be like that. That's an actual marriage. It's legally binding. Like, unless you don't care. Yeah, it's legal. People ask me that all the time. Like, no, 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 no. These are divorces. These aren't even annulments. Like, Mm -hmm. they have to get divorced. Mm -hmm. That's a real thing. And so you're playing with people's lives and you have to be authentic. And honestly, like, this is part of like the entire thing of my book is being real, like stop pretending to be somebody else, because not only will you not connect with people, but you won't match with somebody who's meant for you if Mm -hmm. you're not who you are. And if you show up as all the facets of yourself, and you're honest about what you're looking for, then at least you know that if you don't get matched, you weren't meant to be with the person. If -hmm. you do get matched, you're actually being matched on the right criteria. Mm -hmm. So stop. Yeah. Don't show up pretending to know what the experts are looking for and just switch to whatever you think would get you matched. Absolutely. And I feel like this is a perfect segue into like, well, it perfectly applies to the dating world to match.com or any other platform that you use, or even just if you meet someone the traditional way, like at college or I don't know, at a bar or at church or whatever, just try your best to not, this is going to be a loaded one for you, but if you're single and you're trying to date, and you see someone that you're into for, and you're with them, however you ended up together, try your best to not put forth 
your best effort, if you know what I'm saying. Like in the sense, like just like Rachel said, try to just be yourself. Don't put forth your best effort. A, you're putting so much pressure on yourself that you're inevitably... And just take... Okay, if you want an example, go ahead and Google Jamie Otis and The Bachelor when I was trying to put forth my best effort and be sexy and grab his attention and... Just go ahead and Google that and you'll see where I give him, like I basically split my dress open and make a complete fool of myself. And I became the laughing stock of the whole Bachelor franchise for many, many years. I still am like the most awkward, weird Bachelor contestant in their list of, I guess, Hall of Fame. And like obviously didn't get the guy because that's not that's not cute. That's not funny. Whereas if maybe if I had just been myself, he would have been attracted to like whatever my personality is. Turns out I'm really happy that that worked out like that. But um, exactly. Know, like, to your point though, Rachel, like, And one last caveat on that is just if that has happened to you, you know, or if that has just recently happened to you where you're like, I'm going to be amazing. And then you just completely blow it in every way. Well, I mean, maybe he's not the one anyways, and there's someone better for you coming. But if you wanted to avoid that, don't put that kind of pressure on yourself to be something better or your best self or whatever. And on that note, like, talk to me more about Relatable because I feel like this book Based on what I've learned about it so far, it's only just come out, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But I feel like this book could be so helpful for not only just someone who's dating, but anybody who's trying to have any sort of a like a real, true, impactful relationship with someone that they don't have to fake whoever they are, whether it be your boss, your friend, your coworker, your kids. Sometimes we put on like this face with our kids that we're, you know, I'm mommy and I'm got this. So. Rachel, correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but because it just came out. Yay, exciting. What is this book all about and who is it for? It's really everything that you're talking about. And it's really the embodiment of who you are. It's being relatable. It's connecting and being honest with people. And and it started because we live in a world where we are more connected than ever. Like social media pretends like we're connected to each other, but we're really not. We're actually the loneliest we've ever been. One in four people have zero friends. Socially, anxiety is an enormous zero, zero friends. Like that's a real yeah. statistic. Yeah. And so I started looking at how the younger generations like Gen Z and millennial are coping and anxiety and depression are at their highest levels. And For me, it all comes down to this lack of connection, this lack of community, this lack of ability to connect because we have these confidence-shaped holes. We have these issues with self-worth and self-love that that we're not showing up in the ways that we could be that would allow us to be connecting to each other. So I just started thinking about it. It was such an interesting thing because it was after maths and it was the Kate Plus Date show didn't take up a ton of my time, whereas maths was like, all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Like I ate, slept, breathed, breathed. Yeah, <laughs> breathed. <laughs> breathed is always a weird word for me, mm-hmm. but I, I really was all consumed by it. And I couldn't step away from things. Whereas like after I gave myself the time to do it, I was like, what is my purpose here? And it's really, it came down to, I'm here to help people connect. And I want to help people who are having the biggest struggling times with it, which I think is the socially anxious and those who feel like they're not good enough to make those connections. And started doing it as a keynote talking about there's these pillars that I really recognize as part of being relatable and it's connect, communicate, inspire. Connect is all about that that authenticity, that realness that we were talking about, like showing up as you. And listen, you have different parts of yourself too. Like that's the thing. Like there's the Jamie who is the sexy diva and then there's the Jamie who's the goofball. There's the Jamie who's the mom, you know what I mean? There's all these different parts of you and all of those are real, but we have to embrace all of them and show up as like all the parts of us of like, mm-hmm. this is who I am. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be real. Even if it's not going to pull in everybody, it's going to pull in who's meant to be with me. Oh, I want to lean in on that a little bit more because just using myself as an example, I am 1 million percent a people pleaser. I think that, you know, I've been- There's in a chapter on that. <laughs> there is. I'm going to just go straight to that chapter then. Well, can we just talk about that real fast then? Because I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying so hard. Like, Oh my gosh, there's so much I could talk to you about. Because when you say social anxiety, even though I am obviously in the public and have a very public life and I don't know, like I have and always have had the worst social anxiety to the point where like I didn't know that that was a thing. So I always felt so effing awkward, especially around people who I want to love me and accept me. So for example, Doug's family, I couldn't First of all, I could never say it. They would be like, love you, like saying goodbye, like just like, you know, just like a nice notion kind of thing. And I couldn't say it because it felt so 
raw and I don't know it felt so it just felt so yeah vulnerable something I wanted so badly and I was like oh my god do they really love me I don't know and like even though I obviously want their love and their attention and I want to be part of their family and all the things I was so anxious over it as well that it, it was just scary to me and then I couldn't look them in the eye we would be I just could never look at them in the eye and to the point where like even when I was younger, I would see someone and and then I would look down because I would be just so anxious to like have that connection. Like that's a, also a very vulnerable thing to do is look someone in the eyes and have a conversation. And I feel like people who are, I guess, not socially anxious don't even think twice. And they think that like, where are you looking? And why are you looking down? And, and I'm like, oh, God, they probably think I'm looking at their boobs. And I'm like, oh, God, now like, I wish you put your, your shirt up because I wasn't trying to see your cleavage. Like, I'm just like, I mean, that's where my my mind would go. Like, I just couldn't settle in myself. And sometimes I what I know when I have too much on my plate and when I'm overwhelmed, I guess, because I start recognizing, thank God I finally caught on to like my own personality. But I start to realize, oh my gosh, I can't look them in the eye. I am avoiding a conversation with them, all the things. So that being said, and I know that you mentioned Gen Z and like, I guess like the younger population, but I'm like, oh my God, I'm 35 years old and I still struggle with that. Yeah. Well, you're a millennial. That's included I am too. A millennial? Okay. I'm like, I don't even you know are. what I am. What am I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like an old millennial. So I'm 41 and I'm like the last year of old millennial young Gen X. Apparently it's exgenial. I don't know. People make okay. things up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, good. Good to know that I actually did not know if I was millennial or what I was. So now I know millennial. No, Jamie. I don't like putting <laughs> labels on things. <laughs> so that being said, I mean, there's so much I want to get to with you, but I don't think we have time. But what is your advice? Because I feel like a lot of people look to you for just mostly dating and whatnot. And so if you're somebody, well, I mean, let's be like I just said, this applies to even if it's like a family or a friend or new friend, you're like you All said that. One in four people have zero friends. And Rachel, this is the most vulnerable I've ever been. But I can't tell you how long I've been. I feel like I can almost cry being this honest. But like, I feel like I have zero real friends. I I feel like I have the most amazing acquaintances who love to be around me when I'm around. But when I have something that when I'm going through a really, really hard time, I have no one I can go to. I have absolutely no one I can go to, which is why I have two different therapists because they're the people that I go to. And like my husband's amazing because he's always there for me. But how much can you put on your husband? I also need him to help me with the kids and the house. And he's now a stay-at-home dad. He doesn't even have his own work outlet. And I I don't even know how to make friends, Rachel. Like I really don't, especially when, God, I'm going to get so emotional now and I wasn't planning on going there. But it's like, how do you make friends when you're perceived as someone who has all the friends in the world and all the things? And like, I'm not trying to be anything other than I'm not, but I'm more comfortable sharing about my postpartum body than I am about this part of my life. Because it's this to me is, I don't know if it's embarrassing, but kind of, it makes me feel weak. It makes me feel unlikable, unrelatable, just all the things. And so, ah, anyways, like doing that is exactly how you get that. And that's exactly what you need to do is being more vulnerable and be more real and, and say that to the people that love you like me, who you can build those relationships with all of those acquaintances can turn into relationships, but we have to be able to put our guard down enough to connect with them on a deeper level. And that comes from being real and authentic and vulnerable. And, and it's interesting that you say about people pleasing, because a lot of times people pleasing or putting up that image of, of perfection, you went through shit. Listen, everybody goes through shit, but like you went through a lot and a lot of that. And I have this too, from other reasons of like that fear of abandonment can show up in so many ways where we think that if we don't show up a certain way, that people won't love us, like us, be our friend. Mm. And so we end up actually creating something that creates a wall. And there's two different things that we're talking about right now. Like there's the people pleasing, which when you recognize it and you recognize the root of it, all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait a second. If I put boundaries in here, if I show up in a way that feels more authentic to me and I don't say yes to everything because I think that's the only way that people are going to like me, I'm actually showing myself respect and showing that someone else is going to respect me as well. The other thing is like, it really is. It's getting to a deeper place with people and letting people see your heart and see who you are and as much as I hate to see you cry or hear you upset, it brings me in. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you're being real and like nobody wants fake. Everybody mm. wants that real. And 
there's a lot of adults out there that have that same challenge. And I love what you said about Doug. You can lean on your spouse, but your spouse can't be everything. Mm-hmm. If they can't show up as everything to you. And it's amazing to have therapists. Like that's phenomenal too. But everybody deserves a friend that they can mm. call to laugh with. And we don't laugh with our therapists. Yeah. <laughs> we don't share. I mean, you might sometimes, but there's a lot of tears at the therapist. I would just encourage you and anybody else listening who's in that position of like, all of your acquaintances deserve a chance to be upgraded. Yeah. So then my next thing would be like, I feel like I don't have time to be a good friend because I ha- I do say yes to every. I do come that from stops. a moment, but the, the I think that the issue for me is that I come from having absolutely like nothing, you know, like having no food, having no home, having literally nothing. And so I don't know how to say no to job opportunities. I don't know how to give boundaries because and all through COVID, I was like, God, I'm so lucky that I even have a job opportunity because people are, Doug's job was giving pay cuts, even though that's how they kept their employees on is mm-hmm. by cutting pay. And I have a team who are employed by me. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't say no to job opportunities because that's how I can make sure that they stay employed and not have to go out. And one has two kids. So there's a million reasons why I continue to say yes. But the the biggest thing is, is that I, I feel like I'm not even able to be a good friend to like those acquaintances that I may want. And I also don't feel like I have time to even be a good, like I don't, I just don't feel like I can offer someone a good friendship the way that I guess that. Then we have to restructure some things. Yeah. Yeah. That shows me like, yeah, I get that too. And trust me, I've been broke. I used to buy groceries at the gas station with my, my, my dad gave me like a gas card because I had my son when I was 20 years old. And I basically ate cheese and crackers. I went back to school and I had no money and we'd run out really quickly. And I'd always make sure he was taken care of, but I was buying milk and groceries at the gas station because I had a hundred dollar a month gas card from my dad who was so generous Mm -hmm. and helped me. But like, I get being broke. And I actually think sometimes I'm better at being broke than I am at having money. Like it's almost easier to know when you have nothing, right? (laughs) It's easier to live paycheck to paycheck because you're like, okay, well, this is all I have. So let me budget all. (laughs) Yeah. I know how much it costs for milk at the gas station. So that's budgeted in. Yeah, exactly. Like that's it. And and then it gets a little more difficult. But I think that's also like one of the questions I asked in the book, because I do think like you're inspiring people like when you're relatable and, and people are more connected to you when you're inspiring. And we have to figure out like, what is our purpose here? And and one of the questions that I asked to kind of think about is a little morbid, but if you're on your deathbed and you look back at your life, what was your purpose and how, mm-hmm. what are you most proud of? Mm-hmm. And I guarantee for you, Jamie, it's going to be your kids and your family. Mm-hmm for sure. Oh, you're gonna make me cry again. So how do you take care of them above all? Mm-hmm. What you have then. And how do we make sure like, let's figure out how those blocks go together to make sure because you do have time for a friend, but something else has to give like this is a balance. And it's a scale and there's a balance between saying yes to everything and making sure that you say yes to enough. Yeah. Yeah, that is something that I guess I'm aware of now and thanks for kind of like reiterating it because it's come to my attention by my therapist really, but it's so hard, but I'm going to figure it out. And anyways, thank you for, I guess, reminding me, you know, that that really is so important. And I do think about like an awful lot about, first of all, how blessed I am to live this life that I'm living right now, but also like how hard I have worked to get to where I'm at. And now, and I'm, I've always just been in this mindset of hustle, 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 always hustle. Thank God I can confidently say now that like, I feel confident that my kids will always have food. I will, you know, like, and I don't have to worry about the next paycheck. So stop hustling. I don't, I don't even know. Don't hustle away your happiness, girl. Yeah, Yeah. Right. I love you for just, you've always been a person who's just so easy to talk to, such a breath of fresh air. You're not like, I don't know, that toxic positive person. You're just like, I don't know. I just appreciate you an awful lot. I hope you know that even though I don't see you often and we don't get to chill often, but I do appreciate you. And I really admire you and Jess and the way that you are both such boss babes, but like also really truly support women in each other. And I just think that every person should have a friendship like that. So I know that you have so many other things going on, but for anybody listening who wants to find and follow Rachel first and foremost, because I know she's on Instagram and all the things, Rachel, where can they find you? 
I am Rachel D'Alto everywhere. So website, Instagram, TikTok, which is my new favorite place on earth. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like Dis- it's like Disney World over there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm Rachel D'Alto all over them. Okay. And then also, if someone's interested in finding your book and giving it a shot, which I highly recommend, not because I've read it, but because I know that it's good without even reading it. Where can anyone find your book? Relatable. Yep. Starting September 7th, it is available everywhere. So Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, BookBub, all those. There's so many places to buy books nowadays. I didn't even realize, but it's through Simon & Schuster. So they distribute it pretty much anywhere, anywhere books are sold. That's amazing. (laughs) That's actually huge. Simon and Schuster is like, it is up there. So the fact that you have a book publishing deal through Simon and Schuster, that in Mm -hmm. itself tells you that it's definitely worthy. And we're, we're excited for your book launch. And for anyone that is interested, is there a mailing list people can get on? Yes. When it comes out? So there's a link on my website if you want to join my book launch team. I'm actually doing uh, 15-minute hot seat coaching sessions if anybody buys three or more. Oh. So I don't privately coach anymore, but as you can see, we get a lot done. Yeah. <laughs> we get a lot done in 15 minutes. We can cover a lot of information. So yeah. that's on there on my website. And if you buy five books, you'll actually go on a, a date with people, right, to help coach them through the date? <laughs> think my fiance might have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about you being in an earpiece oh, and telling the person okay. what to say while they're on the date. Got it. Okay. Still no. The fiance's oh, okay. like, that would take far too much time and I want her no, to myself. Like, look at that. Look at that. See, I have no people pleasing issues. I'm like, mm, no. Nope, that's good. out. <laughs> Listen, give me some of yeah. that. Well, well, before, your next book. Oh my gosh, your yes. next book. Yeah. I don't know if you guys covered this because I had to go tend to my kids for a second, but for someone that may be shy to approach somebody that they really find either interesting or they're infatuated with, what would you say is some of the most important ways to approach someone in person if they're shy, awkward, and this person's a stranger? I'm going to add or online because I feel like that's... Maybe online too, yeah. Either way. But I'm saying like, yeah. because it's such a scary thought. I think COVID made this easier for people to not see each other in person. So just everybody getting back out into the world and having a human contact and interaction. What are some of the best ways for someone to approach somebody that's a stranger? I definitely think there's two different perspectives here. There's from the online and then there's the in-person. In-person, you got to just take a breath, realize that it could feel a little bit awkward and that's okay, but you are going to put a smile on your face. You're going to make eye contact and you're going to just introduce yourself. I think we overthink so much about how to start a conversation when, frankly, if you're in a networking event or you're at a Starbucks, you can say the same thing. It's just be like, hey, my name's Rachel. What brings you here? Or if you're at a networking event, same thing. You know, it doesn't have to be this complicated approach. I think we overthink like what's my opening line, which leads me to the online dating thing. Obviously, if you said, hey, my name is, they'll be like, yeah, I see your name. <laughs> it's on your profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you could just say like, hi, I love your picture of your parrot, <laughs> you know, or whatever, <laughs> whatever you can use that's in the profile to just say hi and it's not brain surgery. Like you don't have to overthink it. People get so freaked out about, and there's books written about the opening lines of things. I'm like, please don't, don't just get a canned line. No, just no say hello. Yeah, yeah, just no. yourself. And so for yep. the ones that are diving into the online dating, because you mentioned earlier about having a little bio, but keeping it short and sweet, what are some of the most successful bios that you kind of see or most creative that are engaging for people? They are positive. They tell you who they are and what they offer and aren't just creating lists of what they're looking for. Mm. You know what you're looking for because that's in a lot of the settings. But a lot of times we'll see things like, don't contact me if this, don't contact me if this, you better be X, Y, Z. And it's like, who the heck wants to connect with that? Yeah. So put yourself in a good light, be positive about it. Tell me what you're bringing to the table and give me something anecdotal that allows the other person to start a conversation. Love it. So with that being said, if you need any more tips or if you just want to learn how to become more relatable, head on over to racheldialto.com because she's got the the sign up, buy three books, give a couple to your friends mm-hmm. and you'll get a free 15 minute coaching session with her. That being said, Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time out yes. to be here. I know you don't say yes to everything. So thank you for saying yes to us. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
I love you guys. So it was great to see you. And I can't wait to squeeze you in person. I know. Yes. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Love Rachel. She is... Always a fun conversation. I mean, she's just so... I dare I say relatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's always, I mean, she makes you smile. Yeah, she's, she's just authentic infectious. and real and she has such good life advice. And next week, we, speaking of like therapy and like mental health and being relatable and all the things, I don't know, it has nothing to do with being relatable, but next <laughs> week we have... Well, if one in five have mental issues, then it is relatable. I guess so. <laughs> next week we... As you know, we are really big fans of therapists and whatnot, and we are in marriage therapy, and we have like a a really big heart to heart with our therapist, and we share a lot of that with you in hopes that it will help you as well. So we'll see you guys next week, where we are probably a little too raw and real, but you know <laughs> that's us. And Rachel says it's good to be relatable, so I guess it's okay. Yeah, and if you haven't already, definitely subscribe to the podcast because we do have some news coming up over yeah. the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. You could always check us out on Instagram at Hot Marriage Cool Parents or either of our handles. Or we might be changing it to Hanging with the Hainers. That's right. Yeah. So it will be Hanging with the Hainers. And on Instagram, it would be Hanging with Hainers. Uh, Hainers or Henners. Or... I've been called both. Or Hainan or Nanners. Nope. That's a bad word. <laughs> we'll see you next week. All right. Bye, guys.